Muggles with Attitude is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know, in 1922, Arizona became the last state to execute an armadillo? Because at the time, it was illegal for an armadillo to commit burglary, cattle rustling, or perjury, and this armadillo committed all three. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that, but for more armadillo-related facts and to unlock bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub. Hello there. You're listening to Muggles with Attitude. I'm Alice Sullivan. I'm Jeff Lake. And I'm Micah Sparkling. And today we're going to be covering chapters 7 through 11 of the third book in the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Previously, Harry celebrates his birthday by blowing up a muggle and going on a little wizard holiday to Diagon Alley. He learns that a wizard serial killer is probably hunting him, so he does the logical thing and starts planning his own hunt, everyone assumes. (laughs) <laughs> he's probably also working on a plan for how he's going to off that new dark arts professor, which at this point is basically the wizard equivalent of a red shirt. <laughs> then he begins attending his new classes where he starts by coercing a hippogriff into nearly killing Malfoy. Chapter 7, The Bogart in the Wardrobe. It's Bogart? It's not Bogart? Bogart, like Humphrey Bogart? Yeah, well, that's, that's what, sort I, of what I'm I picturing. Assume. I mean, he could be, he be, he could be coming out. <laughs> hey there. Is it the trench coat in fedora? Yeah. No, nobody knows exactly how he ended up in a cupboard. And <laughs> like, no, no one knows what they look like when they're by themselves, right? Yeah. It could look like Humphrey it's Bogart. Like the stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs> Which is Humphrey Bogart? Which is a movie reference. To Humphrey Bogart he's, lo- he's looking at you, kid. He said that too. But yeah, the Hill of Beans. <laughs> I actually haven't Humphrey Bogart movie, but that is what I assume he says. <laughs> That's what makes him so scary. <laughs> Nobody knows what he says. Here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> As he comes out of the wardrobe to grab a child. Yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Snape continues to be the worst person ever. I love how he tries to force Neville into poisoning his own pet. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is like his optimal outcome in this situation is that Neville's toe dies? I mean, is that, is that the idea? Like, he's, he's going to punish Neville for being bad at potions by killing his pet? Yeah, pretty much. No, no, not killing his pet. Making Neville kill his pet. That's what makes it even more fucked up. Yeah. Well, and of mean, course... Neville got the potion right, though, right? Because Hermione helped him, and then Hermione got in trouble because Snape He punished them that. for not killing his pet. Yeah, but yeah. the result was exactly what Snape wanted to achieve. Punishment? No, the, the potion was correct. I'm and just you... saying, that's not good pedagogy. <laughs> But even before that, I mean, uh, we, 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 Malfoy is still doing this thing where he's hamming up his injury because it's clear that he, I mean, he went to a wizard hospital, right? They probably healed him in like 30 minutes. If that. If that. But he's, he's, he's saying, oh, I was terribly injured, which, I mean, dude, they would know that's not true, right? I mean, Madam Pomfrey. Yeah, well, Harry and Potter and, and Ron and Hermione immediately know that's not true. Right? I, I just wonder why anyone. Harry, Harry's like. Yeah, she, she heals me all the time. Yeah. I come in in pieces, right? Like they, she picks which piece to heal back into a full version of me. I think, even, I think he literally says, yeah, I went in last year and they, you know, regrew all the bones in my arm because that one time I lost all the bones in my arm. Yeah. <laughs> he says something like that. And, and you know, it's true. Uh, I, I just don't understand why anyone's lending any credence to Mal- Malfoy's story. Because there, there is. There's a lot of this where it's like certain things are happening because Malfoy's arm is yeah. injured. Malfoy is actually a bad guy in this book, yeah. which he wasn't before. I thought. I thought Malfoy was misunderstood before. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's not... I'm not on his side anymore. Why? Oh, because this, what, what he's doing here is, is total. He's playing up this injury and he's being unnecessarily cruel to Harry Potter, like, to, to the point of getting really personal about it. And he doesn't seem to be motivated, like he was in the previous books, by the unfairness of Harry Potter getting all of these preferential treatments. Mm-hmm. And in this book, Harry Potter's not getting particularly preferential treatment, and Malfoy's still being a dick to him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Malfoy makes some cryptic remarks about Harry wanting to get revenge on Sirius Black, and Harry has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I would say this is the third person that is implied that Harry is going to go after Sirius Black. Wait, <laughs> Malfoy, um, Ron's Weasley, dad, who else? Hermione. Ron himself. Oh, and Ron. Hermione. 
Didn't, wasn't it? It was. I guess it was Ron or Hermione who was like. I think it was Hermione who's like, "Don't go after him, Harry." And he's like, like, "What are you talking about?" Was like, uh-huh. Yeah, but Hermione. It's not because she thinks he has a reason to. It's just because Harry is a. He's a loose cannon. Yeah, a, a loose maniac. cannon is a good word <laughs> for it. Someone who yeah. might go after somebody who's after them. Yeah. yeah. Even if he's a wizard serial killer. For reasons. I mean, there's 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 a point where I think Seamus Finnegan is calling out like a serious sighting, and Harry just like zeroes in. He's like, "Oh, really? Where?" <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's just like. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out a little notepad. What time was that? Yeah. Anybody else corroborate that? Anything? And you think he might still be there? Or no? I'm yeah. just asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zero is in like a <laughs> dark wizard seeking missile. I have to say though, this makes me really happy because one of my absolute favorite things about the Harry Potter books is when they describe the classes they go to, mm-hmm. and we get potions and we get defense against the dark arts. It, Lupin is legit. He's a great teacher. He is a great teacher. His class seems awesome. I was thinking about a lot of this stuff from the perspective of a teacher because I was an elementary school teacher for years. And um, yeah, Lupin is great. (laughs) It's it's what we call project-based learning. I do think it's funny. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) I think it's funny when they walk in and he's like, we're here for a practical lesson. And like, in my mind, I'm just like... Practical lesson in dark arts. That doesn't sound very... (laughs) That seems ominous, right? (laughs) You need some dark arts for that, right? (laughs) But uh, I, I, I wanted to point out that this is the first time I think that Harry Potter has answered a question correctly in class. <laughs> and of course, it's about killing stuff. <laughs> I mean, look, he's got a very narrow, but special, <laughs> narrow and specialized set of skills, but he's really good at what he does. Yeah. But I love Lupin. When Snape is talking shit about Neville and Lupin's like, I was actually going to get him to help me with the first part of the lesson. Oh, that was so sweet. Yeah. Lupin is immediately endearing. I, I like that he is one of the few people who we see deal Definitely with Peeves. Like, Peeves is is a jerk, right? And yeah. He seems to have no respect for anyone. And Lupin just, like, shuts him down really fast with some, like, I guess shoots gum up his nose or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Good yeah. job, Lupin. And he, and he treats the kids like human beings, which is nice. Um, but once again... He, like, when he ch- when he raps with the kids, he turns his chair around. He probably does, yeah. <laughs> and turns his hat backwards, too. Yeah. Um, but... Did anybody else think how depressing it was that the thing that frightens Neville more than literally anything else in the entire world is his professor? Uh, his professor who almost killed his pet? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that seems pretty reasonable. I mean, he's got a, a pretty charmed life. I don't think that's that depressing. Uh, does? He's 14? He's 13. He lives with his grandmother. We don't know anything else about him right now. We, we don't yeah. know anything about him, but like this is this is indication that he doesn't have a whole lot of negativity in his life. Yeah. But, it, yeah but we find out later on that Harry Potter's greatest fear, of course, is the Dark Lord that wants to kill everybody. It's not, though. Yeah, Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it right. isn't revealed to everybody else. But yeah, Harry thinks, first he's thinking Voldemort, but then he's thinking the Dementors. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything because I know that there are some folks who are reading along with us who may, might be reading these for the first time. But I think it's interesting that uh, Neville's greatest fear is Snape because of what we learn about his background later. Well, the thing is, when you think about what everybody else, their fear is, it's very, like, stereotypical things you'd be scared of, like a mummy, a oh, giant I, spider. I don't buy that at all. Mummies have never been scary. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's a translation thing. British people are afraid of mummies. I get because they plundered the treasures of the Orient. Yes. No, it's because they're scared of their mothers. Mummy. Yeah, but there's like all the other kids are thinking of these really creepy things like a big bloody staring eyeball and enormous spiders and a banshee from the Irish kid, which makes me kind of happy and stuff. (laughs) And Neville's like, no, it's the professor I have to deal with all the time who just tried to make me murder my own pet. Mm -hmm. I think that's a reasonable fear for him. That's really sad, though. It is sad. I mean, I found these a little bit unbelievable because when I was 14, my chief fear was nuclear war. Yeah. I had nightmares about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... They don't have nuclear war in the wizard world. I mean, I assume, does the bogger turn into a nuclear bomb? I was, so, ah. so I was actually wondering about this. So, so like, okay, we, we had this discussion about the mirror of Arisen, and you could think of the bogger as like kind of the opposite of the mirror of Arisen, right? It's like a, it's like a reflection of what your greatest fear is. And I was wondering, like, like this could get pretty dark and these are all kids. And you know, when I was, I think these kids are 12. 13, whatever. 13 or 14. 13, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't I don't know, remember what my greatest fear was when I was 13. But, like, if, if I were to encounter a bogger today, I mean, like, I don't know what it would, what would be my greatest fear? Is, like, my, my own mortality? Does it just turn into, like, my own corpse? I don't know. I mean, like, it's kind of weird, right? Like, it, would, it would be my family dying. Yeah. So I don't know what a bogger would do with that one. It would turn into 
your family dead? I mean, yeah, like, dead Brandon and dead child. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah. guess. I mean, like, but it, but even that wouldn't be scary because you know it's just a Boggart becoming that thing, right? Well, if you don't know there's a Boggart there, maybe. Well, still, but still having to face it, though. You yeah. Know? Like, especially if people have, like, post-traumatic stress disorder, or having to, like, face that head-on would be terrifying, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think you would see if you saw a Boggart today? Nuclear war. Nuclear war. Well, sorry, today? Yeah. Uh, Cancer. Cancer. Just like, it would be just like a, like, how do you, how do you like, like a lump on my body? (laughs) I just, I guess my point is as you're an adult, your fears become a lot less, they're a little more abstract. They're less like concrete things and more just like ideas or. Yeah. How does Bogart show you like dying alone? Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a great example Mm -hmm. or oblivion, you know? So if it has to be like a thing, like a a somewhat humanoid shaped thing. Like the things that I'm afraid of are like, I'm afraid of heights be really hard to show me heights i mean mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i'm not afraid of spiders or anything like that yeah exactly me either yeah i mean i would go for like a really scary guy but that's kind of a tends to be a more woman specific thing yeah mm-hmm. okay that's that's a fair point just like a just like a big like creepy um, rapey dude yeah yeah like a really like menacing like dude. The, the little girl from the ring i think is pretty scary yeah yeah okay. Bargart's not very effective in the modern world yeah Probably not, no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a really good lesson. Yeah. So, I, I, I know. Professor Lupin. It's interesting because this is around the same time that the care of magical creatures classes are getting kind of like less interesting. And in a way, Lupin's teaching magical creatures. Yeah. You know, they. it, it seems like he's dealing mostly with monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is just that segment of the class, but where's the stuff about curses and Dark magic and whatnot. Yeah, that's, that's a, good, a good point. Yeah, he is just going into creatures. Mm-hmm. We'd have to see a syllabus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, do professors at Hogwarts write their own syllab- syllabus or syllabi? So uh, apparently, because apparently there's no curriculum at all. No. <laughs> they need Common Core at the school because <laughs> like Hagrid has one bad lesson, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to teach you guys about worms for the next year." <laughs> it's pretty miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a distinct lack of oversight into the quality of the teachers at Hogwarts. I mean, we, we saw that last year, right, with Gilderoy Lockhart, who was basically just like, his books were the textbooks. And Professor Binns, too, unless the guy has tenure. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he's the history he's one, right? He's got to have tenure, right? If he's a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, the tenure is like the same as being a ghost. But right? that's bullshit, though, because the point of tenure is to be able to do re- any sort of research you want without being concerned about any sort of politics. Yeah, that's true. Um, we don't know how Ben stacks up as a researcher. Maybe he brings in a lot of grant money to Hogwarts. <laughs> that's true. Like, maybe the, the time he spends in the classroom is, like, the smallest part of his day, and that's just the only thing that we have insight into, you know? Yeah. yeah. They should give him at least a TA or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think it's interesting to see what Lupin's afraid of, and it's a silvery orb, which I assume means that he's... Seen that movie Phantasm too many times? Mm, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's, it's an, an orb. It's, it's an old cult horror movie where there's this like silver orb that chases you and kills you. It's from oh, another okay. dimension. Mm. Yeah. It's scary in context. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter eight, Flight of the Fat Lady. Um. Yeah, which I, I know I mentioned this already. Just like we, we see what Hagrid's class has become since the the Buckbeak incident, and it just makes me really sad because I was so excited about Hagrid's class. Like, if I were a student at Hogwarts, Care of Magical Creatures would be my jam. And then they'll, like, come in after the first day and it's just like, okay, we're, we're doing flobber worms from now on. I'd, just, I'd be pretty sad about it. I know. He started out Malfoy really strong. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everyone should. knows this is Malfoy's fault, right? Yeah, they should uh, They should take him out. Right? Yeah. Malfoy? Little, yeah, a little full metal jacket action. <laughs> just like, correct his flaws. You know, Some jump him in the hall. Soap in a sock. <laughs> <laughs> But his father would find out about that. <laughs> That's true. So we spent a lot of time hearing about Quidditch. Yeah, this is the return of Wizard Murder Hall. Uh, it's that time of year, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one of my favorite like C-plot characters, Oliver Wood, who's at this point, he's the seventh <laughs> year and he's the captain of the Quidditch team. I really like Oliver Wood. <laughs> I like him too. And I think it's a little sad that he's a seventh year and this is uh, they haven't won the Quidditch Cup in seven years. Yeah. So he's never seen it won during his time at, at Hogwarts. And it's interesting because he, he's, he's kind of been robbed, right? Like last year, Gryffindor was probably the best team and they were winning and then they canceled all the Quidditch matches for the year. Well, he says something that blew my mind here. 
like he was talking about how great our team is. Oh, our beaters are the best, and our keeper is pretty good. Uh, and also, we have a seeker who's never lost a game. Uh huh. She's right. Harry Potter has never lost a game of Quidditch before. Uh-huh. That's, That's not right. fair. No, it's not. <laughs> he, he's like A plus seeker, but. And we know that that's the only position on the Quidditch field that matters, as we discussed previously. Right. But the, but he's still never won a tournament because it keeps getting canceled or Harry Potter keeps getting injured or, you know, mm-hmm. his only good player, his only important player keeps dying or going to give in the hospital or whatever. So I'm going to throw something out there. So one of our listeners emailed me with a theory, which I thought was really, really interesting. We know that Gryffindor has not won the Quidditch Cup in at least seven years, right? right. We know that Slytherin has been successful. We also know that Slytherin has been winning the end of year House Cup for a really long time too, right? right. The theory this person put forward is that we are now at the age when all of the people who fought against Voldemort, like during Voldemort's rise and everything, they have kids, right? Mm. Who are now at Hogwarts. So the thing this person was putting out there was this idea that when Voldemort came into power, the Slytherins actually did pretty well because they either supported Voldemort or they were implied to be kind of on that side, right? They were not actively fighting against him because apparently all Slytherins are just evil, right? Well, well certainly Malfoy's parents were, right? I mean, yeah, for sure, Malfoy's example. parents. Mm-hmm. We know they came out of all of that ahead, at yeah. least. They're super rich now, and, you know, they they might claim that they were, you know, under, under a spell or something, but they mm-hmm. sure came out ahead, didn't they? Yeah. So the idea this person put forward is, also, is that Slytherin has had this huge advantage because... Um, the families have fared much better and perhaps even the families um, in the other houses died because we know a lot of people died fighting yeah, Voldemort. It's, it's generational uh, wealth, right? Yeah. They, they inherit a lot of money. They, they didn't all die fighting Voldemort. So there's more of them. They're more healthy. They're more well-situated to succeed. And so it's you can't point to any of them in particular and say that they, they're being unfair, but they're benefiting from the system like they're benefiting from the genocide, the, the the bad stuff that happened before they were born. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, yeah I thought that was a really cool point to put forward because I'd also heard too someone saying, because there have been questions about the number of students enrolled at Hogwarts because in Harry's first year when they're naming all the students, it seems like his class uh, at Gryffindor just isn't that big. There's maybe like, what, 30 kids or something? Yeah. And there was some speculation there too that those classes were much, much smaller than the average because so many people had died during that their parents' generation. That's, a, I mean, there aren't all that many wizards to begin with. So if Voldemort went around and killing wizards at any noteworthy rate, then he probably depleted a, at least a, a, a significant percentage of them, right? I yeah. Mean, so I, mean, I hadn't really considered that. That's a good point. Yeah, it's lots like of post-war interesting theories. It's England and France. Mm-hmm. This is probably the idea, right? Like, this is a... Sort of an allegory, a little bit of an allegory for that. Yeah, and yeah. Germany, I guess. Yeah. I also <clears throat> noticed in this scene they have no alternates on the team. There's no bench. Everybody on the team plays. That is a good point. I hadn't thought about yeah, that. It's because of Madame Pomfrey, right? They have no injuries. <laughs> or not for long they're enough immoral. to affect the game, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They get a sprain or a broken arm or something. They're out of the action for 20 minutes. I mean, they wouldn't play Quidditch at all if they weren't, right? <laughs> Like, if you if you didn't have Madame Pomfrey, the game of Quidditch wouldn't exist. I don't know. People play crazy stuff, right? Like, people get their eyeballs knocked out in rugby. Yeah, that's true. But they aren't playing, like, wizard, but Quidditch is like rugby, but, like, in the sky, right? Like, if you're playing rugby, like, in a glider, a hang glider or something, right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah, but even, even in violent sports uh, in the real world, there are alternates. No, you're right. That's true. That is a really good point. But meanwhile, uh, outside of Quidditch, Ron and Hermione are having a huge fight because Crookshanks is a cat and keeps doing what cats do, which is trying to attack Scabbers. Okay. Runs new theory, around. Crookshanks is Sirius Black. Okay. Tell us oh, why. He's yeah. uh, Because he's clearly smarter than he has any, any need to be. Right. And he's got a goal of killing Scabbers. Right. And Sirius Black... Hate scabbers. Why? I don't know yet. I'm working on this theory. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's something sketchy about this cat. This cat does not appear to be all that it's cracked up to he be. He does. He does appear to be smarter than an average cat. That's an interesting theory, Jeff. I guess mm-hmm. you'll have to find, wait and find yeah, out. Yeah, there's something up with this cat. I guess That's what have I'm to saying. Wait and find out what happened. What is and and we know that whenever there's something weird going on, it's the bad guy. In this case, Sirius Black. <laughs> it's either Sirius Black or Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> wait. How, why do you assume that Sirius Black isn't Voldemort? 
Uh, Every other bad guy's been Voldemort, right? That's a good point, right? <laughs> Secretly, I was Voldemort all along. Wait, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, you were around when Voldemort was around. Yeah, I'm two guys. I mean, do you think Voldemort as a dark wizard couldn't be in two places at once? Uh, we haven't seen a wizard do that yet. Voldemort was more powerful than any wizard of the age, except for Dumbledore. We don't know that Dumbledore isn't in multiple places at and the same Voldemort time. And Voldemort does like to make up cool-sounding names for himself. Like true. Crookshanks? <laughs> and Sirius Black? <laughs> and Professor Lupin? I, just, I got my eye on Crookshanks. That's what I said. <laughs> Yeah. So far, no. Crookshanks hasn't hasn't proved himself as a good guy yet. No, you're right. You know, I don't know if Crookshanks isn't just being like a regular cat, though, when like he's eating a spider in front of Ron. Because he knows that Ron's afraid of spiders, right? Yeah, I know. And he just like chews it, like making eye contact the I whole think time. That's weird. Cats don't make eye contact like that. My cat does. Really? Oh, yeah. When that's li- weird. When he's eating a spider? I, I think your cat is serious black. <laughs> <laughs> your cat's ginger, too. He could be. Like, uh, yeah, it's another orange cat. Mm. Mm. Crookshanks is an awesome name for a cat, though. I like yeah, that name. that's pretty good, yeah. I don't know what it means, but I like it. Uh, it means crooked legs, right? Yeah, it does. Okay. All right, Shanks. Is that what a Shanks? I thought a Shanks was like your, like, the thigh part. It is, but in, in, in like, English slang, it's sometimes used to mean legs. Oh, okay. Well, it's a cute name. Crookshanks, ginger pants. I mean, they're not... Dissimilar. They're both yeah. compound <laughs> names. Alex, I have a question for you. As somebody who is uh, steeped in academia, how do you feel about Harry and Ron's casual academic dishonesty? <laughs> They're cheating off each other an awful lot. You know, like, it seems... I have to wonder about the work, though. I would have to go to, like, the homework they're doing. So they're just doing, like, star charts? Yeah. They're just mapping stuff in the sky? Okay, I disapprove. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be... This house system, though, has to really encourage... This sort of thing, right? They're always in private together with the other kids. Yeah. They're all doing homework together in a big common room, right? That's mm-hmm. where else are they going to do it? I Why mean, if it were me, I would do a lot of like group projects, even though like in the real world, I'm, I know that group projects usually end up being terrible because one person ends up doing all the work. But mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter world, if you're in a boarding school like that, I would totally have them do group projects all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, but it's Halloween and everybody else gets to go to Hogsmeade except for Harry. Which is pretty shitty, right? I mean, like, this is a, this seems like it's a pretty formative experience for a Hogwarts kid. Yeah. And to be the one kid who can't do it, that's got to be pretty rough. Yeah, literally the one kid in the entire in his entire class who can't go. Because he didn't get the permission slip signed. Because apparently... Because because he lives in a horrible, abusive hell. Yeah. So fuck him for that. (laughs) Right. He goes to McGonagall and she's like, nah, dude, it says right there you got to have your parent or guardian sign it. Why didn't you have this? Why didn't you have your abuser, your abuser, terrible family sign it? Your parent or guardian keeps you locked in a cage, so we're going to keep you locked in this castle. (laughs) Look, that's the way they want it done. We don't, we're we're not ones to mess with someone's parenting (laughs) techniques, I guess. Yeah. So the, uh, I don't know what she's called, the deputy head of the school, which is, I think, what McGonagall's title is. Oh, is she? And the, yeah, she's deputy headmistress. Man, Dumbledore has totally stacked this school with Gryffindor allies. Uh huh. I know, right? Yeah. You guys can't see me right now, but I'm nodding knowledgeably at Jeff. Um, yeah, she's deputy headmistress, and she's the head of Gryffindor House. And yeah, and she's like you know one of the big, one of the most respected professors in the school. So. Yeah, but I'm saying McGonagall couldn't sign it. Uh, the Minister of Magic apparently couldn't sign it <laughs> right. for Harry. And it so. says right there, it's got to be your parent or guardian. I'm just the Minister of Magic. I can't. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's right. It can't be a parent because your parents were murdered. <laughs> so who's it going to be? Oh, your abusive guardian. Don't yeah. worry about it, Harry. Anyway, so that's really depressing. But Harry goes and hangs out with Professor Lupin. Which is like, okay, holy shit. Lupin, he knows what happened to the last two dark arts professors. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out in a room alone with Harry, he's taking his life. Into his <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a, this is, he's like, you have witnesses around, man. This is the true bravery right here. <laughs> man, Lupin's boggart is probably Harry Potter. <laughs> he doesn't know whether that's Harry Potter or the boggart again. Yeah, we all know that this, we all know that this book is going to end with... Harry somehow killing Professor Lupin. So the mm-hmm. fact that Lupin yeah, that's, just that's like what I wrote in my notes is like, I really like Professor Lupin. I'm gonna be sad when he dies. <laughs> so he's just like, hey, come come join me in my classroom and or in my office and you know, let's drink some tea or whatever. No, there's no one around. It's just us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean careful, dude. That's that's how that one guy got his face burned off. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> And he so Harry doesn't kill him, which I assume is because Harry hasn't yet come up with a reason, to, a way to make it look like an accident. But he does lay some groundwork here in thinking and planning to blame it on Snape because he's like, 
hey, aren't you suspicious of Professor Snape with all that potion stuff? And Lupin's like, no, I think he's all right. He's like, I don't know. He seems like he might try and poison you or something. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Just seeing if that idea sticks anywhere. I had not thought about it that seems way. Seems like you could be dead soon. You know? <laughs> and Anybody if you died of poisoning, it'd probably be Snape who did it. <laughs> and Lupin has his FDR moment. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, the Dark Lord. Yeah. That's worth fearing, right? But first, for, first and foremost, fear. Yeah. Which, I guess, I didn't quite understand that. So he said... Mm-hmm. So Harry says that he, he would see a Dementor, and Lupin says, ah, oh, yes, being afraid of fear. So is the idea that Dementors are like an element of fear? Because that's not my, that was not my interpretation of them ever. They, I mean, they bring up the worst, they suck away all your happiness, right? And they right. bring up the worst things that have ever happened to you in your entire life, and you feel like you'll always be alone. That's not necessarily fear. So I don't know if I buy that explanation. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Dementors are more like a, 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 a creature of like despair more than fear. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the idea that nothing can be good again is, is more a despairing idea than a fear idea. But it, yeah. sounds, it sounds good, though, when Lupin says it. It's true, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's just trying to suck up to Harry Potter because he doesn't want to die. <laughs> That's right. It's like, hey, Harry, you're great. Everyone I was like, oh, oh, good idea. <laughs> Not going with the Dementor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Snape is bringing him some sort of mysterious potion. Which is probably poison. I'm sure it's probably mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. <laughs> So everybody comes back, and it turns out that the fat lady's portrait, she's the one who guards uh, Gryffindor Tower, has been, like, slashed up. Yes, which which we assume means that Sirius Black has gotten into Hogwarts somehow, which is interesting because, like, I mean, Sirius Black has got to be, like, a heck of a wizard, right? Because he's the only person to ever escape from Azkaban, Mm -hmm. and now he's... Like, Voldemort can't even break into Hogwarts, but Sirius Black did. Yeah, because, um... The fat lady, she says that it's Sirius who, like, rips up the thing. Even Peeves though does. Peeves does, I think. Peeves says that the fat lady said that Sirius Black came and slashed up her canvas. Right. When she wouldn't let him in. Here's the thing, though. Okay, going on one of Jeff's theories, <laughs> it's somebody who we know is in the castle and mm. has really sharp claws. Oh, so uh-huh, Crookshanks. Uh-huh. Yeah, it could be. Things? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Cats are really and, good at destroying stuff. Crookshanks was not in the scene right before this? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's true, but I'm saying it. <laughs> let me ask you this. Have we ever seen Sirius Black and Crookshanks in the same scene at the same time? Wait, wait, let me think. No. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, look, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Jeff. You'll just have to wait and see. Okay. Well, do these paintings feel pain? No. So why is she scared? Well, if someone like comes and shoots up your house, even if they don't hit you, you'd be a little scared of it, right? Not if I'm immune to bullets. Yeah, but your house. I think you like... would still be pretty disturbed by it. I wouldn't go hide. Why this would is weird you? to me. This this opens a big book, in my opinion, of what is going on with the people of these paintings. We've had this discussion before. Are they sentient? They are, right? Like they like they can have conversations. They are can they have... trapped? All they can do is look out that window into the world full of people getting slowly older. The well, idea is they're like a simulacrum of what they were in real life. But they don't. Yeah. They aren't necessarily combined. They're portraits, as we know well, because they. Right. Yeah. She goes and around. hides somewhere else. Right? Yeah. So she could leave that portrait, but she likes to stay in that portrait. Dude, that's, that's well, her it's house. her job. But yeah. she she's afraid of threats, right? If the portrait is destroyed, is she dead? I mean, that's an interesting point. Probably if yes. If you make right? a copy of the portrait, it's is there another version of her? Yes. Yes. If you take a picture of it, is she on your phone? If it's a wizard picture, on your wizard phone. Yeah, well, wizards, yes. <laughs> your wizard, your wizard iPhone, the picture, then, oh, life photos. So are they, would we qualify these people as slaves? No. They are free to wander into any portrait they choose. But they can't leave the castle, right? And they have a job. Do they get paid know. for their job? Certainly don't get paid. Do they? Maybe they get paid in painting bucks or something. I don't know. Painting I, bucks? I don't think wizards are particularly concerned with, well, with weird paying to, the people so who I serve thought, them. I thought they were like we these kind of the like robots with no feelings, but this person clearly has feelings. She's afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, we've seen in other places where the, the paintings and the pictures have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, Sir Cadogan, who helped them find the uh, divination tower. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea is they are pale imitations of who they were in real life. They're not actually the people they were in real life. Mm. And so they're able, they have limited abilities to function. Is, 
Is there any difference to, between a wizard photo and a wizard uh, painting? Wait, are there wizard photos? Do you... Yeah, there are wizard there photos. Like, because yeah. remember, in like wizard you see, paper. Yeah, in the newspaper. Yeah. I think it's got to be different because a portrait. There's just the one portrait, but like you can't say that there's an infinite number of whoever a photo is taken of in the newspaper, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Do, do they uh, do they have the memories of the person whose picture they are of? I don't know how can much you, you want to go into. Can like, you take a picture of somebody and then draw in a torture machine and torture information out of them? The picture. It so, talks, right? Well, okay. So uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering if there's because because we do see several photographs and the, the photographs seem to have a lower level of sentience. Mm-hmm. They don't they they move a little bit, but they don't do much else. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have sentience at all. The photographs? Yeah, I think it's like you said. It's like with iPhone, like with the with the live, um, photos? live photos. Yeah. Hmm. It'll show that image or whatever. So, anyway. But apparently Sirius Black is back. Back in mm. black. He's Sirius Black. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 9, Grim Defeat. Because of the the attack, they have a wizard lock-in. Ooh. Which sounds pretty great, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? Dumbledore doesn't want the Gryffindors to go back uh, to their tower since they don't know where Sirius is. So they end up having a sleepover in the main hall or the dining hall. It's not just the Gryffindors. I think it's everybody. Is it everybody? Yeah. It must be, yeah, because they're trying to search the entire castle to see if they can find him because they can't figure out how he got in. Right. Yeah. So they're they're searching from top to bottom to find any sign of Sirius Black. In the meantime, they're all sleeping in the little purple sleeping bags that Dumbledore conjures out of the air, which is super cool. So Snape is starting, like, but before this book, I was kind of on Snape's side as well as on Malfoy's side because I felt like Snape was just reacting to the unfair power hierarchy that is that is putting Harry Potter in these situations. Mm-hmm. But now he's actually acting like a jerk in this book. Is he? And uh, Yeah, he is. He's going beyond the pale. He's like, well, he's being bad to people other than Harry Potter, right? Like mm-hmm. Neville. And he's being very backbiting with Sirius Black. Oh, sorry. With, <laughs> with Lupin. Right, because they're Because uh, he wants right his job. Up. Yes, because with... <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> J.R. whatever his name. J. Oh my, R. J.K. J. Rowling. With J.K. That's her name. J.R. Lupin. That's where I was going. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> his name's J.R. Lupin. I, I looked on his luggage. Oh. In the chapter where they looked on his luggage. Oh, that's right. But anyway, he's in these books. He actually reminds me of the teachers that I hated, and so that that is landing with me a lot better than it uh, did in the previous two books. Yeah. Because oh. I, I had teachers like this that enjoyed. Uh, enjoyed being mean to people and, and viewed their their own power as being more important than the education. Well, I'm sorry that happened, but I guess I'm glad you're having an authentic reaction to this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this has always been what she's been going for. I just don't think it's worked until this book. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Severus does uh, mention that he thinks that... Well, and he doesn't overtly say it, but it's clearly implied that Severus thinks that Lupin might have helped... Might be the one helping on the inside because he said something like, "It's somebody new, and you know, I think somebody in the castle is helping him, and um, you know, he just joined this year. You know, seems this applying this." Yeah, nobody has any idea of how Sirius Black got in because you've got the Dementors guarding the place, and then nobody can app- just magically apparate into Hogwarts. So they're trying to figure out how did he get in in the first place. Yeah, I think that's a pretty r- rational connection to make, right? Like, this guy escaped, and how did he get in? Well, we have this brand new professor here. I don't know. But Dumbledore's saying, no, I, I don't believe it. Dumbledore's, you know, defending. Because I'm sure, you know, Dumbledore always does, right? Yeah. He speaks up for the people that he uh, that are loyal to him. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Lupin, he is absent, so Snape teaches defense against the dark arts and is a huge hard-ass about it. Yep. Worst ever. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, but anyway, returning to Quidditch, a.k.a. Murderball... I wrote down a quote here because they're talking about how the Quidditch match is going to happen even though the weather is terrible. The quote is, Quidditch matches weren't called off for something as trifling as thunderstorms. <laughs> okay. Madame Pomfrey can heal stuff. She cannot heal death. Mm-hmm. If you fall super far down and die and like break your neck or whatever, or you're hit by lightning, like you're going to die and there's nothing you can do about that. That's true. Like what the heck? There's no undoing death. Yeah. Super fucked up. Yeah. And but they love it. Oh, they love their Quidditch. Yeah, I mean, McGonagall, uh, I think, pulls Harry Angel uh, aside and is like, so, uh, Harry, there's this thing you should know. 
serious black tattoo. And Harry's like, dude, come on. That was like chapter two. I learned yeah. about it. Like, I know. Like, I, you don't even have to tell me. I just assume whenever a new villain shows up, they're after me. It's like, I'm not going to stop Quidditch for it or anything, you know? <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Well, just wanted to make sure you knew what was up. But then Harry Potter loses in Quidditch because well, some Dementors rush the field. Yeah, but, I, mean, I was going to say, it's not entirely Harry Potter. But he does lose. And what I wrote down is, someone's going to die for this. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter does not like losing. <laughs> no. But... Uh, because of his encounter with the Dementors, Harry ends up back in his second bedroom, the hospital wing. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's spent more nights there than he has in the Gryffindor room. Well, it's creepy because first he sees a big black dog, right? Like a grim. Yep. But then the Dementors show up. Yeah, like 50 he... of them or something. Rush the field and, and start giving Harry mind paralysis. Yeah. So he falls to the ground and you're like, here's a woman screaming, which is super creepy. And he wakes up and his broom has been destroyed by the Whomping Willow. Oh, that's his so sad. Whomping Willow is probably still getting revenge from last year when they drove a car into her. That's right. It. Yeah, I mean, that, that Whomping Willow has got a, a a reasonable, like, vengeance thing here, you know? I mean, <laughs> they, they've gone, it's, I, they kind of went after that Whomping Willow. The car thing was an accident. And the mm. Whomping Willow's okay. Now? <laughs> it, took, it took months for it to recover. I think the Whomping Willow just likes blood. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the case. Anyway, well, now Harry's going to have to ride a normal broom like some plebeian or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, he'll have to ride the broom that, like, the Weasleys ride. Ew. Uh, but moving on to Chapter 10, the Marauder's Map. Speaking of Harry passing out and hearing screaming, he's figured out that the screaming he hears is his dying parents, which oh, is super man. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. super dark. Yeah. And it's interesting that, that this is also the reason for his sensitivity to Dementors. He's seen these horrors in his life it's not just because he's a big old weenie or whatever that's just mm. what i assumed <laughs> that harry's just a big old weenie yeah <laughs> but it's, you know gotta... harry the thing about you and the dementors is you're a big old weenie harry <laughs> it's all right you can't help it you're just a big old weenie <laughs> some people are big old weenies some people are little weenies some people are big ones and you're a big one harry <laughs> you're a weenie harry <laughs> you're a weenie harry <laughs> Yeah, we find out a lot about the Dementors. They they suck out all the joy and good feelings from your brain, so you just feel despair and crappiness. And there aren't even any walls at Azkaban. They just made everybody really depressive. This is horrifying. Like, that is torture, straight up. Yeah. yeah. You know? The worst kind of torture. I was having the same thought. Like, when they describe wizard prison, it is not really a prison. It's more just like a permanent, like, it's like hell, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't they just kill the people, right? It's a good question. Because if they're going to put them there and they're going to be insane and broken after a few months, then it's not like you can have a short term there. Yeah. It's clear that Wizard Prison is not rehabilitative, right? Yeah, Like nobody's sure. going to come out of there better off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty horrifying. Oh, but uh, something great happens, though. We have my two favorite characters in the entire series, Fred and George. <laughs> they realize Harry's feeling pretty bumped, so they give him the Marauder's Map. Which is, let's be honest here. The perfect tool for hypothetically <laughs> hunting a professor who you hypothetically were sort of intending to hypothetically kill. People are just going to start vanishing in Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter gets his little targeting, his targeting apparatus. Ah, oh, I see this person's alone in this room. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds pretty amazing, though. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool gift to give someone. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's very video gamey, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a mini map. Mm-hmm. You can see your opponents on it. Yeah, yeah. it's a wall hack. <laughs> a wall hack? A video game term for when you hack your game client so you can see more than the other people can. See things oh. you're not supposed to see. Okay, but it's great because this map that Fred and George stole from uh, Filch's office can show him how to get into Hogsmeade. Yeah, it's not just a mini map. It also gives you like secret passage access codes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super cool. I, I forgot it does that. This is God mode. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is pretty great. It is great. So he finally gets to go to Hogsmeade, which is really great because I was really excited to see it. Like she does such good descriptions of all the shops in Hogsmeade. I was dying to see it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the passage comes out in the candy store mm-hmm. where sweet. everybody appears to be. I don't remember ever being this into candy when I was a kid. If I had a candy store like this, I would have been super into it. Uh, you know what this candy store sells? Acid pops. 
<laughs> sure. True. And they both like whole, like literally burned a hole in your tongue. Yeah, they literally burned a hole in his tongue. That's horrible. I mean, that's that's the wizard world, right? <laughs> like it's got the greatest stuff, but it's also got the most perverse stuff. <laughs> so they have these amazing candies that'll make you like levitate, but they also have acid pops. And candy that flosses your teeth. I I could go for that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that's I pretty agree. cool. I completely when I when I read that I was like immediately in my head I was like this is this is this would save me so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that uh, Hermione's super about it. She sends it to her parents because they're both muggle dentists. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a scene where, you know, Harry appears, right? And he explains about the Marauder's Map. And Hermione's like, so you're going to turn it into McGonagall, right? It's like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you oh, I'm oh. going to rename this map Harry Potter's Map. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why would he? Because it's, you know, clearly I mean, against the rules. It's pretty, very creepy to watch everybody. Know where everyone is all the time. Where they're going all the time. I guess. And Harry Potter is dangerous. He's somebody who has two kills under his belt at the age of 12 or whatever. (laughs) You know, we joke about that, but like, that's not fair. (laughs) That he's murdering people? Yeah. (laughs) He didn't murder, um, oh my God, second year. He didn't murder oh, Gilderoy, yeah, Gilderoy Lockhart. Lockhart. He did not murder but him. But he did murder Tom he Riddle. He just removed his, you oh, know, Yeah, he, he wiped his brain. His brain, you he, know. He lobotomized him. Everything that kill, made him function. Yeah, he didn't kill his body, but he, he killed his mind. He still got his smile. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> so he's not, you know, completely gone. And um, Coral kind of had it coming. Like, he had so many evil. <laughs> he, had, he had the Dark Lord living in the back of his head. Like, how long, what kind of life expectancy do you think he thought he had at well, this point? I mean, I mean, eternal, I think, is what he thought. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly a lot shorter after he met Harry Potter. Yeah. <sighs> it's unfair. <laughs> so unfair. But anyway, Hogsmeade sounds amazing. And I want to go there. I, uh, I, do, I do think this is funny, right? So Harry Potter shows up. He's like doing the candy store thing. And they're like, hey, let's go grab a butterbeer. And then it's just like this nightmare situation. Like, if you're having a bad dream about, you know, what happens when you're, you're doing something bad, right? And then, like, your teacher shows up. And then another teacher shows up. And then, like, your best friend shows up. And then the president shows up. It's like, what is going Catch Harry Potter doing something he's not supposed to be doing. <laughs> they all walk over and sit at the table next to yours. <laughs> It's just like a really, it's, it's a humorously poor luck kind of situation. <laughs> it is surprisingly egalitarian, though, that the prime minister is hanging out with these teachers and the barmaid. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. He knows the Hogsmeade barmaid by name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she is curvy. That's yeah, true. she is. <laughs> curvy and pretty. Madame Rosemerta. The curvy type of woman, I think is what it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... We, they are conveniently talking about stuff that is directly relevant to what is happening in Harry Potter's life. <laughs> exactly. The barmaid's like, what is some historical information that Harry Potter would really need to know? <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> some eavesdropping exposition. Here's what's up with Sirius Black, and here's a new character, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Who, I guess, killed each other or something. And they were all friends with James Potter and Lily Potter. Yeah, we learned that Sirius Black is actually Harry Potter's godfather. Which is <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So we find that out, and then we find out, and then we get some information, too. It turns out that Sirius is directly responsible for Harry's parents' death. This Fidelius Charm stuff is a little confusing to me. Like, I was trying to understand how it works. So you tell someone a secret. Yeah. And it's, it's a very complex spell. I mean, I get that part. But then nobody can know the information that is that secret? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So the what Sirius... They did the Fidelius charm, and Sirius, his secret was where the Potters were located. And they said that Voldemort could be staring at into their their sitting room and not see them there because yes. it's information that can't be known. Yeah, it's a little complicated, though. Like, yeah. that definitely, it doesn't, there's a lot we don't understand, are not told about it. Yeah. But the big, the important takeaway from there is that Sirius immediately went and told Voldemort where the Potters actually were, and that's why Voldemort was able to get to the Potters and kill them. Yep. And as a result, well, I guess Sirius Black is going on that old murder list, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) Harry Potter's secret murder list. Yeah, Harry Potter does not let these things go. Yeah. You're right. We also learn about Peter Pettigrew, who is apparently a friend of Sirius and Harry's dad. Yeah. He's, He's the one that Sirius Black 
fried in the street that time. Yeah, because um, Peter Pettigrew went after Sirius, um, after Sirius killed Harry's parents, but apparently he was just like blown up along with the 13 muggles that we had learned about earlier right. who died. Anyway, yeah, we learned that's why Sirius was sent to Azkaban because he murdered the Potters as well as 13 other muggles as well as Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Yeah. But the weird thing is, Fudge is saying that Azkaban didn't seem to really affect Sirius Black like it does literally everybody else, which is weird. That is weird. And we don't... I, I wonder why that is. Based on what we know about Dementors, I can't imagine why that would be. But I was thinking, what if somebody doesn't have any positive thoughts to begin with? And it's just like or they're nor- like normal. Like a died-in-the-wool cynic, you know? Then mm-hmm. this is just normal mode Like they're them. all like, I'm on Malfoy's side. <laughs> so what you're saying, Jeff, is... <laughs> that the mentors wouldn't affect you? No, I'm just saying, right? <laughs> yeah. You well, see the worst in everything? Yeah. So you might like it, you know, you get to like go to Little Island and it's all like all-inclusive vacation on an island in the middle yeah, of nowhere. Right. It's nice, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the Dementors are like waiting on you hand and foot, so. <laughs> right, yeah. And then you finally get news that the kid you've been waiting around to kill is, is there around. <laughs> and it's time to check out. Yeah. Yeah, I believe, I believe that... Um, Cornelius Fudge says he gave, gave him a newspaper. So presumably the head of the line was like, Harry Potter's back in business. Yeah. Like, You'll oh, never sh- catch me, friends of Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's time for me to go. Yeah, probably a poor decision on Fudge's part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the crossword puzzle is like, <laughs> what, what would it be? It would be a 12-letter clue for who is better than Voldemort and Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, Harry didn't know a lot of that stuff, so that's that's pretty sad. Yeah. Chapter 11, The Firebolt. So Harry's totally going after Sirius Black. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, throughout the, up until now, everyone's been like, Harry, don't go after Sirius Black. He's like, I'm not going to go after Sirius Black. And now he's like, I'm going after Sirius Black. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, now that he knows, like, he's got legit information here. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, up until now, it hasn't made sense as to why everyone's been telling him not to go after Black. And all of a sudden... Now it makes perfect sense, right? Okay. I don't completely buy that Harry Potter would care that much about who killed his parents. Because he never knew them. He never knew them. Yeah, but... The, They're not people that he was aware really? of. He didn't even know what they looked like until a year ago. Yeah, but it, uh, from from a, the text, it is clear that Harry Potter cares about his parents, even though he's never met them. Yeah, especially because he had such a terrible life. Sure, he had a terrible life, but that should make him a terrible person. It shouldn't make him like get attached to these people that he... Barely even heard their names a second ago. Well, I mean, like, he probably he probably uh, idealizes them somewhat, right? Like, they're the perfect parents to him because they're the parents he's never met. Idealizes them in the sense that they're people who would have actually loved him and taken care of him, unlike the people he ended up with. True. Yeah, yeah. but he has no reference point, you know? I'm not... I, I'm sorry, Jeff. I can't buy that. Like, I think you would be pretty pissed off at the people who murdered your parents, so you had to go live with, like, these relatives who hated you and neglected I mean, you for your entire life. What if they're the people that murdered your grandparents? I've got a beef with Hitler. What if they're the people that murdered your great-great-great-grandparents? Because that was a really good one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the Romans or something, right? Yeah. Those fucking Romans. I'm just saying, like, it's it's ancient history. It's not something that ever actually affected Harry Potter's life that, that he could remember. I think it's fair to assume that somebody would have an issue with the person who is responsible for their parents being murdered, even if they were very, very small when it happened. Hmm. I mean, I assume you would be pissed off about that, especially if you ended up with such assholes. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't find it difficult to believe that uh, you would still find that I, yeah, it, was, it would still bother you. I mean, like, it'd still be something you'd be upset about, especially if it affected your life in such a negative way. This, Like, he can draw a clear line from his current miseries to this this one event that was done by this one person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, he I mean, that. Yeah, not really, actually, no. Because uh, his miseries are entirely the fault of the Dursleys. Which he wouldn't have lived with if Sirius hadn't had his parents murdered. Like, if you were to yeah, imagine, it's like, not like it's not like Sirius went and said, "And now, Dursleys, treat him like shit for twelve years." No, uh, I mean, he, he did one bad thing to people that Harry Potter never met, but are related to him, and then all of Harry Potter's other problems are like unrelated. I don't know. It, it, he could he could probably say if Voldemort hadn't killed his parents, he'd live a very a much happier life. Maybe. I, I, I think he would th- he would say so. I mean, he would think so, too. But, like, also, there's a whole bunch of different things. If he was taller, he would live a happier life, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, 
that's a that's a less less effective. Thing. I don't know. It's weird it, to me. It just I can't wrap my head around getting revenge for the death of people you never knew. Hmm. Well, I mean, there he probably had a sentimental attachment to his parents in a way that maybe it doesn't make sense for you. But his character does, right? I mean, we know that because well, yeah, we know his character does. We the scrap like his, his motivation said, is yeah. that, that he's obsessed with these people. Yeah. But I, I do still find the idea of Harry Potter plotting revenge a little bit ridiculous when you consider he's like a 12-year-old. Like, if you think of like a 12-year-old sitting with his 12-year-old friends thinking like, I'm going to, you know, plotting vengeance or whatever, it seems a little silly, right? Maybe. But then again, he has killed before. And <laughs> these are pretty extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, sure. Like, my parents haven't been murdered, but... But yeah, but tw- can you imagine 12-year-old, like, just think back to what you were like when you were 12. Mm-hmm. Do you think your twelve-year-old self was capable of plotting like a like a, a, a murder of a of an adult? I think twelve-year-olds are capable of very deep emotions. Yeah, and complex emotions. I, I wouldn't say it's an emotional thing. It's more just like a maturity thing. Being able to like come up with the make the necessary moves to kill an adult. I guess. I sure. I don't know. But I mean, Harry Potter's going for it. Yeah. But uh, they go and visit Hagrid. Poor Hagrid. Oh, I know. It's yeah. very sad. He's not getting fired, but uh, Buckbeak, the hippogriff that attacked Malfoy, is going to have to go on trial. Which is just a load of crap. It's fucking Malfoy, man. This guy's the worst. <laughs> I mean, the thing did gore him, right? Yeah, but it was kind of his fault. I mean, he was literally asking for it, right? <laughs> he was asking for it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Hagrid put him in a dangerous situation where a stupid kid could get themselves hurt. And somebody in that class was going to get hurt, right? Yeah, but that's not a big deal in Wizard World, right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Like, that happens all the time, you know? Yeah, probably, like, character was like, yeah, he'll probably gore two or three of them. But, you know, then Madame Pomfrey will <laughs> heal them up. But well, as long did. as they have their signatures to go to Hogsmeade, we're okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Such bullshit. Right. You can play murder ball. <laughs> yeah, it's no. literally in an active lightning storm. They don't need permission <laughs> slips to play Quidditch, just saying. Yeah. That's true, right? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Quidditch, uh, for Christmas, Harry gets that sexy firebolt, the broom that he had been drooling over. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, yeah. No more normie broom for Harry. Yeah. He, he didn't even ever have to write it. Yeah. God, for, God forbid he has to write any of the school brooms like the regular plebs. And now he's got his <laughs> mega crotch rocket. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, this these are the things that put me on Malfoy's side. Like, come on, yeah, like, <laughs> it's like two free. He doesn't even need free brooms. The guy's rich. <laughs> it's like this is the 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 second the opposite of the poverty trap, right? It's just like he's able to get all this free stuff just because he's so famous. Yeah, he he smashed his last broom, and before he even has a chance to get to to mourn its 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 loss, he gets a better one. A better one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like this, is, this is like the kid who who wraps his you know Lexus around a light pole because he wants to buy a Ferrari. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Uh, and and they they even say that it it costs as much as all of the brooms that Malfoy's dad bought for the Quidditch team combined, which is crazy. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the equivalent to this would be, but no, like a Ferrari, I think. Okay. Well, this is weird though. So Hermione. Tells on him, tattles on him to McGonagall about the broom. And McGonagall takes us to get tested for jinxes. They both thought that the broom was probably sent by Sirius Black. I cannot begin to understand that logic. Because if you were to set a trap for Harry Potter, I cannot imagine a more perfect bait. That seems so convoluted, though. It's not really, though. If you give Harry Potter this 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 ch- magic chocolate cake... He's going to want to eat that chocolate cake. If you yeah, give him this magic It's brew, true. Like, it has happened over and over again that somebody gives a magical thing to Harry Potter and says, be careful with this. And he doesn't be careful with it. Right? <laughs> you give him he this... immediately uses it. Like, the invisibility cloak. Yeah. The ma- the Marauder's Map. The mm-hmm. Mirror of Erised. Fair enough. It, like, like, if I were to try and kill Harry Potter, giving him the best broom in the world and then putting like a murder jinx on it is exactly the way... You would do it, right? I mean, okay. If Sirius Black wants to kill Harry Potter, this is how. Mm. Yeah, and I guess this pro- didn't probably come from McGonagall because no. she takes it away, and also right. it's probably this one is probably beyond her teacher's salary. Yeah, apparently. It's, I mean, I, I have no frame of reference for rooms, but it seems to be uh, much, much, much better than <laughs> the that. ones I see at Home Depot are really not that spendy. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I actually side with Hermione here that if you get this mysterious magic room and you know that there's a wizard serial killer out to get you, then you check it out. Like at least, right? You want to, you want to find out what's going on there. I think Hermione's spot on here. And I don't I mean, often for, side with her because I think she's a little bit of a jerk sometimes. For but. a normal, yes. Yeah. But Harry Potter gets this stuff in the mail all the time. <laughs> well. It's never given a problem in the past. Free, expensive shit? Yeah. Well, this is the first time we haven't known the, the source of it, right? Like, we didn't we knew, know where the visibility the... cloak came yes, from. Yes, we yeah. did. We did. Mm-hmm. No. Dumbledore said that. Not until the end of the book. Well, yeah, that's true. And yeah. we didn't know where the first broom came from, right? No, that was from McGonagall. She bought it. But. McGonagall just straight up bought it for him. Oh, yeah. It just said from McGonagall. Yeah. Oh. And then we know where the Marauder's Map came from, sort of. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is a reasonable concern. And she's not saying you can't have it. She's saying, like, let's just make sure it's not cursed, okay? <laughs> let's just make sure that when you sit on this, it's not going to, like, blow your junk off or something. Because okay? <laughs> <laughs> you can do that as a wizard, you know? <laughs> uh, I also want there's, – there's also an interesting thing where they're – they're hanging out and that sneakoscope is going off and it's just like, huh, that's weird. It's probably nothing, right? That happens, just... it, it happens every time the sneakoscope comes out. <laughs> it's like, beep, 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 and they're like, ah, it's probably broken. <laughs> <laughs> it happened when Crookshanks was around. Both I'm times. Telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah. I mean, this is very suspicious, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. It's, just, it's probably just malfunctioning. Yeah, totally. But they also, uh, also, the reason that this firebolt comes around is because it's Christmas and they all decide to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas and they're kind of describing what Hogwarts is like. I think I would stay at Hogwarts for Christmas. I'm surprised more students don't do this because this place sounds yeah. awesome, right? It totally does. Right. Like it's all lit up. There's like, they get to just have lunch with with Dumbledore, which is not a thing you right. normally get to do. Right, yeah, and Dumbledore has conversations about your personal backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of cool, right? I, I mean, there's, a, there's not that many students. I think they say there's... Two besides Ron, Hermione, and Harry, there's the two first years in a in a Slytherin. Yeah, there's or like three or four other students who stay. But I'm surprised there aren't more of them because it seems like this is a kind of a cool place to, to hang out. Yeah, it sounds awesome, and they like get to eat dinner, Christmas dinner with the faculty, and they do the Christmas crackers. Except they're really good Christmas crackers that have like crazy hats. <laughs> Dumbledore gets a, mice. The hat with the, the pointed hat with the vulture is like fuck yeah, I'm that. <laughs> like, that's going on my head now. <laughs> that sounds great. And Professor Trelawney shows up and does her Trelawney thing, where she's super mystical and <laughs> predicts Harry's death. Yeah, again, <laughs> again. It's her, her oh hobby. yeah, her prediction for lavender brown. Oh yeah, was that the thing she was dreading was a. <laughs> I thought this was really funny. Uh-huh. She's like, the thing you're dreading will happen on the 16th, and what happens is she gets news that her bunny died back at home. Yeah, and Harry uh, Hermione. Hermione has no chill about this at all. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> like, I don't think that was the thing. You know, <laughs> your bunny was young, right? I mean, how could you have been dreading it? <laughs> yeah, like, and Pro. like Hermione. <laughs> It's not that I disagree with you, but now is not the time, man. I know. Now is not the time. It's like, the bunny didn't even die today. Yeah, Yeah. you just found out about it today. The bunny didn't die today. Oh, she's crying. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. She's logical. (laughs) She is. And again, she's not wrong. It's just like emotional intelligence, you know? Yeah. There's a reason why Hermione doesn't have any girlfriends. (laughs) Yeah. I suppose that's true. I like that scene. It's pretty good. Yeah. I agree. Pretty funny. I just love it whenever Trelawney and... um, McGonagall go head to head because they're both just so completely different from each other. <laughs> yeah. McGonagall has no time for this shit. So is Trelawney for real? It's she seems like a fraud, doesn't she? Because yeah. she yeah. just kind of like makes shit up. And a lot of the professors here are frauds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, how do you? Where's the line, right? Like, <laughs> Trelawney has a admittedly sort of abstract and soft subject, right? right and, yeah. and we know that this is a thing that exists in the wizarding world. It's not like you, you wouldn't just ignore this subject because sure. it's real. And McGonagall world. said she predicts that a student's going to die every term. That's probably a pretty accurate estimate. Know, right? <laughs> Except they say none of them have actually died. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Against all odds. <laughs> She's probably like, who's the seeker for that school team? Okay, yeah, yeah this is going to die this person. year. Yeah. <laughs> that person is losing their head. And again, this year she like kind of hit the jackpot because she got Harry Potter. And of all the students who are likely to die... Harry Potter's pretty high up there, right? It's true. Like, we know yeah. this guy is... No self-preservation, <laughs> self-preservation instinct at all. Actively being hunted by Voldemort and his co- cohort. I mean, like, if any student's going to die, <laughs> it's got to be Harry. Yeah. I mean, That's it's just really... Cool. Yeah, it's a coin flip, really. Yeah. 
That's it for this week's episode of Muggles with Attitude. Next week, we're going to be reading chapters 12 through 16 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the third book in the Harry Potter series. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter. I'm Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. And I'm Micah Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at mwapodcast.com. Please share us on whatever platform you got on. Please like us. Please share us with your friends. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time. Finite Finite Podcast. Podcast.